You're listening to a Sunday morning sermon by Authentic Church. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our last multi-gen service of the year. And as we know, these are the services where you get to join in. Joe's already done a little cheer. Thank you, Joe, for that enthusiasm. That is encouraging. Okay, today is the second Sunday in Advent. Depending where you look on the internet, it might mean peace, or it might mean hope, or it might mean joy, or it might mean love. Whichever one of those it is, is lovely. We've got our lovely wreath over here that Chris made for us. So today we are going to, I'm going to attempt to light two candles without setting fire to anything, because it is a second Advent, or second Sunday. Here we go. We didn't set off any fire alarms last week, so I'm hoping the same for this week. There we go. Second Sunday in Advent. So the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means arrival. And it's the time where we wait with anticipation for the arrival of Jesus Christ. It gives us a chance to look back at the birth of Jesus more than 2,000 years ago, but it's also a time where we consider and we anticipate the promise of Jesus' second coming. Now, some of you may have some kind of countdown to Christmas Day. So you might have something like an advent calendar. We've got a very old advent calendar that we use every year. It's actually older than any of our children. We had it before they were born. And we also have over here, this is ours, a little Father Christmas that tells us how many days there are until Christmas Day. So there we go. Today there are 15 days, just in case you wanted to know. So many of you will have something like that in your houses, I'm sure, or maybe you've done something like a reverse advent calendar, I don't know if you've heard of that, where instead of getting something every time you open the door of a calendar, you actually give something away. So you might give something to a food bank or something like that. I love that idea. Um, Whatever you do or maybe have done, there are all ways in which we count down and prepare for Christmas Day. Well, what other things do we count down to? Well, maybe you count down to your birthday. The younger you are, the more likely that is. Uh, Maybe you count down to if you've had a wedding or you're going to a wedding, something special, a holiday. We've just booked a holiday for next year. I haven't started a countdown yet, but I think I might. Uh, When you're expecting a baby, you quite often will be counting down to that. If you're a teacher like me, you are definitely counting down to the last day of term. I've already spoken to Chris about the fact that every teacher in the land will know exactly how many days there are until they get to have a break. So those are things we count down for. What about waiting? What do we wait for? Well, maybe you wait for public transport, like a bus or a train. When you're, if you go to a restaurant for, for um, eating, you wait to have your food delivered usually, sometimes longer than others. If you live in a house like mine, you're quite often waiting for other people to get ready to go. Aren't you, Nigel? <laughs> what do you do while you're waiting. Maybe you're one of these people who tries to stay really productive and doing things very sort of, um, you know, to, to keep yourself busy. Maybe you're checking your phone. I do that quite a lot. Maybe you're getting really impatient and tapping your foot and drumming your fingers. Or maybe you're just enjoying the peace and quiet of waiting. Depends what kind of person you are, I guess. A rhetorical question. Is it easier to wait when you know that eventually the waiting will be over? I don't know. Something for you to ponder. Although the first Christmas was full of extraordinary and surprising details, it was not a badly planned 
event or a series of random coincidences. Lack of preparation was not the reason that Jesus was born in a stable. Far from it. The events leading up to Jesus' birth were planned and talked about way before they actually happened. In fact, God started a countdown of his own back in the Old Testament. So let's have a look at what God said would happen at the end of his countdown. So, you should all have a little bag with some words in it. Okay? And what I would like you to do is I would like you to see if you can construct the sentence okay, of what, what the sentence says. Some of you have got blue words, some of you have got green words, and some of you have got yellow words. I have given you some clues. So one of the words has a capital letter, okay, usually, um, which goes at the beginning of the word, at the beginning of the sentence, apart from the, the names, obviously have capital letters, and one of the words has a full stop. You should have ten words. So I'm just going to give you a minute. You can... You can um, you know, work with a pair if you want to, if you've got the same colours, or just to help each other out. Have a look and see if you can make the sentence make sense. I'll just give you a minute or so to, to have a look. Can you make it make sense? Full stops at the end, capital letters towards the beginning, unless it's the name. Many times, many ways. Okay, shall we have a look? Again, don't worry if you haven't managed to do it. So, someone with a blue sentence... Who would like to read it out for me? Go on, Lisa. So around 4,000 years ago, a rescuer was promised to Abraham. Okay. Around 4,000 years ago, a rescuer was promised to Abraham. So this is when God started his countdown to the first Christmas, around 4,000 years ago. Okay, anyone who's got a yellow sentence who managed to work it out? Who'd like to read it out? Anyone? Go on, Alex. Thank you. Around 3,000 years ago, a king was promised to David. So God is still working out his countdown and his promises. We've got a 1,000 years difference so far. Okay, green sentence. Anyone with the green? Tina, thank you. Not quite the words I had, but that yours makes sense as well. Around 2,000 years ago, the promise came true through Jesus. Yours makes sense too, though. Excuse me, are you just saying one green or is there another? No, all the the greens are the same. Yeah, so those are the sentences. If you had blue or yellow or green. Okay? So, the point being, God spent a long time getting ready and preparing for the first Christmas, making sure that every little detail was perfect. And he made promises which were fulfilled when Jesus was born. And in a moment, we'll take a closer look at those promises that we've just talked about. But first, something else for you to do. You should also have a little answer sheet with five blank spaces. And I'm going to ask you five questions. You should also have a pen with which to write your answers. So I'll just wait for you to get yourselves prepared, because I know how you lot love a quiz. (laughs) Okay, are we ready? Hopefully these should not be too taxing. Here we go. Question number one. What time did you go to bed last night? Okay. 
Approximately is fine. Okay, question number two. What did you have for breakfast this morning? How do you spell it? Okay, question number three. What will you have for lunch on Wednesday? This coming Wednesday. What will you have for lunch? Question number four. What will you be doing at 10 a.m. on April the 5th, 2024? I love the fact some of you are really thinking about it. 10 a.m., yeah. I don't even know what day of the week that is. I just picked it randomly. Oh, it's a Friday. There we go. Okay, last question. What will you be wearing on June the 26th, 2025? (laughs) Okay. The point of that exercise is to... (laughs) to come to the conclusion that it is hard to predict what's going to happen next week, let alone next year or in two years' time, isn't it? And as for what would happen in 100 years or 200 years, well, actually, nobody can predict that with any degree of accuracy that far in advance. So, for example, when a mother is expecting a baby, it is possible to predict a due date, but only about 5% of babies will actually be born on their due date. And most of us know the story of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, but what some of us might not know is that his birth, right down to the last detail, was actually predicted in a number of Old Testament prophecies. These prophecies were written between 430 and 1,450 years before Jesus was born, which is pretty impressive when we can't even really tell tell you what we're having for lunch in four days' time. They speak about the timing, the location, and the details of Jesus' birth. So between 430 and 1,450 years before he was even born, God, in his countdown, was telling us what was going to happen. That's amazing, isn't it? So, back to the promises of God that were fulfilled with the birth of Jesus, the ones that you just read out for me. Um, Here we are. We've got to see if we can work in pairs. Can we do that? Can we do that, do you think? So, I'm going to give out these little packs for people in pairs. We'll see how, how much pairing we've got going on. You might not need lots of pairs. We'll see. Let's see if you work. Don't do anything with them yet. If I give you two lots there, boys. I don't want to have to run out. Whoops, sorry. Are you gents happy to work together? There we go. I might have enough. There we go. And there we go. Okay. Okay, so what you've got here, guys, in blue, the blue strip, are the Old Testament prophecies. And the little green ones are the New Testament fulfilments of the prophecies. So what I would like you to do is see if you can match one New Testament prof- uh, fulfilment, which is green, to one blue Old Testament prophecy. 
to have a go. There should be some key words in each of them that, that help you out. Okay, shall we have a look? Okay. So, first of all, the promise to Abraham, if we remember that was 4,000 years ago, the promise to Abraham, said this. So in Genesis 22, verse 18, it says, And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And the fulfillment came, we can see the proof of that in Matthew chapter, Chapter 1, verse 1. Jesus Christ came from the family of King David and also from the family of Abraham. Never mind, it's okay. It probably works that way around as well. So we can see there that the promise was that Abraham would be the, the father of all nations and we can see that Jesus came from the family of Abraham. Then we had the promise to King David, which was 3,000 years ago. In Jeremiah 23, verse 5, Someday I will appoint an honest king from the family of David, a king who will be wise and rule with justice. And the New Testament fulfillment in Matthew chapter 1, verse 17, There were 14 generations from Abraham to David. There were also 14 from David to the exile in Babylonia and 14 more to the birth of the Messiah. And we can see there that the genealogy of Jesus was through the line of King David. David. We have the, a prophecy about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. You, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you on my behalf. Micah 5, verse 2. No one can arrange where they are born except the Son of God. We see in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, that Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judah during the time when Herod was king. And then lastly, that he would be worshipped by kings. So in Psalm 72, verse 10, we read that the western kings of Tarshish and other distant lands will bring him tribute. The eastern kings of Sheba and Seba will bring him gifts. And then we all know don't we, that the three wise men or kings came and this is what it says in Matthew 2 verse 11. When the men went into the house and saw the child, they knelt down and worshipped him. They took out their gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh and gave them to him. So hopefully you can start to see that God started to prepare for the first Christmas hundreds, thousands of years before it actually happened. He put little clues around the place to say what he was going to do. None of it was random. There were other, several other prophecies which were also fulfilled. For example, that his, Jesus' mother would be a virgin. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And another prophecy about the fact that Mary and Joseph would have to flee from Bethlehem and end up in Egypt to avoid Herod killing the newborns. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1 says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt... I called my son. It's clever stuff, isn't it? It is clear then that the birth of Jesus was no accident. Although it may have seemed slightly disorganized with Jesus being born in a stable in a place far from home, visited by lowly shepherds, it was all planned in great detail. 
After Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, God was already putting a plan in place to restore his relationship with mankind, which involved him coming down to us. And this plan was in place many hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. Jesus' birth was only the beginning of God's plan for redeeming us because God's greatest gift to us is Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the hope that we have in his return, which is also something, as I've already said, that we look forward to at Advent time. These were all part of the gift that was promised and planned by God so meticulously. So we're going to interrupt our fun and carry on with more fun while we have our time of prayer. Who feels like this? The run-up to Christmas is usually a really busy time of year, isn't it, with lots of preparations to be made. I wonder how far you've got with your preparations. Maybe you're one of those really organised people that's got it all done and is feeling a little bit smug right now. We went to see some friends last night and all the presents are already around the tree. I know, right? And uh, Or maybe you're like us. <laughs> We've maybe bought a couple of Christmas presents already, but most of them not. Um, or maybe you're one of those people who just does it steadily throughout the year, and by June you've got a drawer full of stuff ready for Christmas. I don't know, but whatever you are, it's, it's busy. Whether you spread it out over the year or do it all at the last minute, the to-do list is generally pretty long at Christmas, isn't it? It doesn't matter who you are. Anyway... I am now going to test your efficiency to see how, how well you do with a to-do list, okay? So, you're going to have to do a little bit more moving now. I'm going to split us into kind of, Nigel, if you go that way, we're going to have this half-ish. Nicholas, you might want to go that way, you can choose. And this half-ish, okay? I have got two bags of goodies here. They're exactly the same bags. In the bags... There, are, there is a to-do list and there are some activities that need to be done. Your job in your teams, and I will let you move into your teams before I set the five-minute counter, is to read the to-do list and work as a team to get the jobs done. There's quite a lot to do, so you're going to have to be efficient. You're going to have to figure out who's going to do what, and we're going to see who can do the most jobs in five minutes. I know, right? So, if you want to just move yourself about a little bit. Yeah, whatever. Whatever you need. We're keeping you awake this morning, aren't we? Just in case anyone wanted to. We might need one more person over here because this is a smaller team. Go on, Nicholas. You, that's fine. Perfect. So... There we go. Billy, shall I give you that? Okay, don't look in the bag yet, guys. No, no cheating. He's so keen. He's like, yes, let me get in the bag. Okay, as I said, in there, there is a to-do list which should have all the instructions. 
and all the stuff that you need should be in there if I have planned and prepared well. So we'll find out. You will have five minutes and there is a timer on the screen. Nigel, I do not need you to add music to this one, okay? So it should be fine. Okay, off you go, guys. Oh, and stop. Okay. How did we get on with that? How did you manage over here? Done it all? Easy? Easy. Pro we had a project manager over here. Have you done all the jobs? So, so do you want to count them up then? We've got one, two, three, five labels. Five colored. labels, yeah, coloured in. Have you done all the cards? Unsigned. We've got five cards with messages. <laughs> with messages. That's good. I like very good. Five very, yeah. Lovely, and lovely. Um, several stars. Okay. How did you get on? All bar two stars. Some dubious cutting art. Some dubious cutting, but okay. Good. Well done, everybody. Amazing. Um, do you want to get yourselves back in formation? <laughs> that was very good. I'm very impressed. Particularly as I tried to make it as hard as possible, giving you the really rubbish craft scissors. Thank you for being so participatory today. <laughs> you all had rubbish scissors. No, there was no there were no good scissors. There was no good scissors. Okay. So quite often our Christmas preparations can feel a bit like that, can't it? Frantic, too much to do, where should I start, who's going to do this, oh my goodness, I've still got this to do over here. It can feel and look busy and stressful, particularly when you know the countdown is on and somebody keeps yelling at you, you've only got 30 seconds left. There always seems to be more to be done, places to go, people to visit, mince pies to eat. There's always stuff to be done at this time of year, isn't there? But even the lead-up to the birth of Jesus was busy and stressful. When you think about it, Joseph found out that his fiancée was pregnant and he was worried about whether or not to go ahead with the marriage. Then they discovered that they had to travel a long way from home to register their names at Bethlehem for a census. On the way, the journey would have been really busy because there would have been lots of other people travelling at the same time. When they got to Bethlehem, we know, don't we, that there was nowhere for them to stay. And Mary ended up giving birth in a stable. I imagine that they had as much or more stress than you've just encountered cutting out some labels and some stars. A stressful, busy time. As I prepared for this service, I discovered, it's amazing Google, I discovered several websites offering tips for a stress-free Christmas, if there is such a thing. Here are a few ideas. Don't wait until December to start your Christmas shopping. I've already failed on that one. Check that your Christmas lights all work before putting them on the tree. I have to confess that is something we do in our household. Um, wrap your presents as you go. Not like me, store all the stuff in a cupboard, do it all on Christmas Eve. Limit your spending. Avoid overindulging. Set reasonable expectations. I find that one difficult. Keep it simple and realistic and focus on relationships and not things. And apparently if you do that, you will have a stress-free Christmas, guys. So there you go. 
But do you think these tips will really make Christmas less stressful? The fact is, Christmas, as we've said, is a busy time of year. There's no getting away from it. So maybe actually some of these tips would help. I'm sure you've heard the phrase that Jesus is the reason for the season. The fact is, as Susie prayed at the beginning of our service, there would be no Christmas without Jesus. And I think lots of people actually forget that, or maybe they don't even realise. Being a teacher, I love this time of year in school for many reasons. One of them is the lovely little nativity play that the children do. But lots of children, because they kind of mash up the nativity play these days and it doesn't really look like a nativity play anymore lots of the children don't really understand what it's all about they think it's about mince pies and they think it's about fairies and they think it's about donkeys but they don't really know that Jesus is actually in there somewhere the reality is that Jesus should be at the center of Christmas but over time he's got pushed further and further out of the center So whilst we're counting down to the big day, being super busy with all our preparations at home, at work or at school, we need to leave some room, some space, some time to remember the reason for the season, to try and put Jesus back into the centre of Christmas. Someone else who struggled to understand the true meaning of Christmas was a famous cartoon character, who us oldies will remember, called Charlie Brown. On December the 13th, 1965, a Charlie Brown Christmas, which was like a full-length cartoon, was aired in America, and it had a controversial and surprising ending. Here is the synopsis of the the cartoon, it says this. When Charlie Brown complains about the overwhelming materialism that he sees amongst everyone during the Christmas season, Lucy suggests that he becomes the director of the school Christmas play. Charlie Brown accepts, but it proves to be a frustrating struggle. When an attempt to restore the proper spirit with a forlorn little Christmas tree fails, he turns to Linus. Here is what Linus has to say about the true meaning of Christmas. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown.
that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about. I wonder what difference it would make to our Christmas if Jesus was at the centre and not off to the side or maybe forgotten altogether. And I wonder if there's anything you and I could do differently in our preparations this year so that Jesus can be at the centre. So we've heard some tips on how to have a stress-free Christmas, but what about having a Christ-centred Christmas? What would our tips look like then? Maybe read the story of Christmas in the Bible. If you go to the beginning couple of chapters in either Matthew or Luke's Gospel, they're a good place to find the story. Maybe read it again for yourself. When you are watching Elf or whatever other lovely Christmas film you enjoy the most, maybe you could watch a Jesus-centred film. For example, The Chosen, you've heard us talk about that a lot, have two amazing Christmas films which are very scriptural and absolutely beautiful. You can find them online. They might even be on Netflix at the moment. One's called The Shepherd and one is called The Messengers. But they are beautiful, scriptural, Jesus-centred films. Maybe you could do an Advent Bible plan. I know it's the 10th of December today, but it's never too late to start, where every day you're spending some time thinking about Jesus coming at Christmas and also in the future, when his second coming. As you open your Advent calendar every day, if you have one, thank Jesus for being the reason for Christmas. Maybe you could have something in your house to remind you that Jesus is at the centre. Maybe some of you have a advent wreath like this or something in the middle of your dining table or a picture on your fridge or a special Christmas decoration that every time you look at it it's just enough to remind you that actually Christmas is about Jesus that's what it's all about Charlie Brown you see the true meaning of that first Christmas which took place 2,000 years ago hasn't changed since then The look and feel of Christmas over the years has changed and it's now a bit of a monster in in my opinion. But that doesn't mean that we can't still put Jesus at the centre of our preparations and celebrations. That we can't hold on to the true reason for the season. So my challenge to you this Advent is this. How can you put Jesus back in the place where he should be this Christmas. What could you do?